Hello, everybody. And for the final time this season, for free at least, welcome to this Italian football podcast brought to you by Total Italian Football. I'm here. I'm your host, Connor Clancy. I've started to settle a little bit into the summer mood with slightly fewer obligations, but still a lot of things being juggled. I've got you and Burns here with me to chat through the season that was the 2022-23 Serie A campaign. Hello, Ewan. Hello. Yes, the season that never ended and still feels like it hasn't. <laughs> well, it, th- that's the thing, because I'm sat here watching a football match as we're recording yeah. this that I'm more invested in than I have been for a football match in quite a while, actually. It's, it's Republic of Ireland we're playing. They're going to not win against Gibraltar, and it's going to be a mixture of comedic and tragic, but... We've also got Kev Pogelski here. Kev, how are you? Speaking of things that are a mixture of comedic and tragic. Oh, I thought you were going there. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm still trying to decide if I'm referring to 2022-23 seasons last season or this Not season. Not until after tonight. Then we can call it last season. Okay. Still this season. Well, I was going with the 24th, which I think is the official registration period for FIFA transfers in summer. Leagues, interesting. But, uh... I usually just go off contracts, which is June thirtieth. It's easier that way. Um, but anyway, we're we're here for a reason. We're here to look back on the season that has just come to an end, or is coming to an end, depending on how you want to think about it. Um, overall thoughts, guys. Napoli are champions. It's it's been a pleasant one, Burnsy, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it's been good without being spectacular. I'd say it's yeah. We we got a different winner, someone that's not won it in almost all of our lifetimes. <laughs> that felt really cruel. It wasn't even meant to be. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that thanks, felt like thanks I set them, myself yeah. up to have a proper Kevin. <laughs> it's just the way the sentence panned out. I oh, shall <laughs> take it that you think that I'm younger than I look. Uh, oh, sorry, I look younger no, than I yeah. am. Yeah. Kevin's <laughs> uh, seen Natalie yeah, win true. all you of their titles. I have. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, but yeah, point being, <clears throat> somebody different to normal. Um, we had a genuine relegation race. You, you could argue too much of one. Um, and the, the the European spots weren't fully sorted till pretty late on as well. That fight didn't quite go as mad as it looked like it could have at, at one stage. Um, there was a couple that fell, fell away too drastically and Juve got taken back out of it again. Um, but yeah. There's been worse ones. There's definitely been worse ones. There have been worse ones. I quite like that we've come to the end of the season and now we have that weird thing that France used to get before PSG became what they are, where we've had four different winners in the last four Serie A seasons and it's mm. quite nice to have that spread, isn't it? Particularly now with Napoli being so far south. But Kev, what are your overall reflections on the season before we dive into the specifics? Yeah, away from uh, domestic action, it was it was quite nice that we had a little bit more involvement by European teams in European action that took us through to three finals, even if none of them came away with silverware, um, because the you know a lot of the rest of the the decisions, what's the word, decisions, uh, the end of season bits and bobs were taken care of uh, long before we completed. Yeah, they were. Any anomalies in the season? Don't worry, it's not. A <laughs> Look, the way the end of season pods usually go are we kind of jump in and out of reviewing the season. We'll start obviously with the top, then we'll talk about 
our individual teams of the season or team of the seasons, depending on how you define what the noun is there. We'll come back in and look at the European places. Then we'll go and have a look through our overall total Italian football team of the season. Then we'll get down to the bottom of the table and then we will dip back out and have a look at some other business. For example, Juventus. For example, the thing that we've all been waiting for all season long, Kev's shirt spreadsheet, which is my highlight of any Serie A campaign and I'm very much looking forward to it. But we've got to start with the thing that you two have already mentioned and it's Napoli. Bernsey, the first Serie A title you said in a while, I'll tell you how long, it was 33 years. It's their first without Diego Maradona and just the third in their history. I think the obvious thing to to go into here is are rather the, the stars of the season, Luciano Spalletti, Victor Osimen, Kvica, Kvaracelia and Kim Min Jae. Anyone else? Well, there's there's others that are massively deserving of praise, but they're certainly the headline makers, particularly you know, Spalletti being the coach and also what he did at the end of it. Um Ozyman, Kvaracelia, Kim, you know, they're they're the guys who basically through almost the whole season, at least since two months in, it the kind of question around them has been, oh, will they stay? Almost, you know, before they've even had the chance to win the league. Um, have you noticed, right, there's not been, like, a single Kvalatskelia link to anywhere that I've seen. And I, I'd be slightly more across that than you two. I've not seen anything. But his, his agents must be quite nice. <laughs> because normally you'd get, they'd be touting him in some way, even if he, even if they knew he wasn't going to move, they'd just be sort of drumming it up. But I haven't seen his name written anywhere. No, I remember back in like March, I think the only thing I saw him linked to was a move to Real Madrid because they wanted a star this summer. And if, mm. if they didn't get Bellingham, there was talk that they might go for him. Not because they're the same player, they're not by any means, but just they wanted a Galactico. I think, I think he just done an interview where he said that Guti was his hero or something like that. And I, I think that right. may well have uh, fueled that quite a lot. Um, but yeah, they are the big dudes. But then you've got the likes of you know, Lobotka, Zelensky. But basically, the normal starting eleven and one or two others, you can chuck in and say they've all had wonderful, wonderful seasons. I was looking at La Repubblica earlier, and there was a story about how Roma, Inter, and uh, no, is it Inter Milan? I think it is. And those are two different clubs, by the way, for anyone from BT Sport listening. Inter and Milan and Juventus all all need to sell if they want to sign. And Napoli aren't one of those. Napoli are in quite a good place financially but there is the expectation that players will leave kim's obviously got that clause for the first two weeks of july curiously um ossiman's going to be in big demand as well lobotka is attracting attention too so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there but kev we've got to give a special mention to giovanni di lorenzo don't we because he's the captain he is one of the most unsung of all the unsung heroes around Europe, I would wager. And his growth on a personal level to become what he is now to that Napoli team has been astonishing. Yeah, there was a couple of years ago where Manuel Lazari was getting loads and loads of praise. And I felt that Di Lorenzo was doing a, a similar job at Napoli. Obviously, the title shouldn't have shed a light on what he's done for the team this season, but he, he has been the outstanding fullback, I think. There's... There were a few other candidates when we were looking at our team of the season. And, you know, fully fully deserved that he got to lift the trophy, I think, because he also chipped in with some some crucial goals, which 
you kind of forget them across the season because of all the goals that Osman scored and sort of the, the, the quality of the goals that Kravitz Shelley have scored. Um, but, you know, what a, what a contribution from this year. And you're probably going to tell me he's in his 30s, but it, it feels like he hasn't been around that long. Um, so hopefully they'll get a few more years out of him. Hopefully they'll get a few mm. more years. Isn't he a bit of a late bloomer in terms of being like a really good Serie A player? I feel, I feel like he wasn't that notable until he was maybe 25 or whatever. No, he, was, he was knocking about in Serie A cheese. That's the thing, ages, yeah. Wasn't he? Um, I would look it up, but for tech reasons, I'm scared to Google anything. I have pulled the spreadsheet up on my phone because I'm so afraid. Uh, yeah, but, no. Yeah, De Lorenzo is one of the, the unsung heroes, but I think we've spoken about him enough on the pod that anybody that listens to this won't take that as news. So I'm going to ask you two to pick a player each that is not someone that's been mentioned so far and give them special attention after this Napoli title win. Burnsy, you're up first. It's not been mentioned at all, even when I did my little list then. No Lobotka, no Ossiman, no Kvaracelia, no Kim and no De Lorenzo. Okay, Rachmani for me. I think he's been very, very solid. Um, and he, He's been, you know, I, I don't think, it, it's not as simple as to say, because he's alongside Kim, he's done really well, because he was alongside Koulibaly the year before quite a lot, and he wasn't as good as he has been this time. I think he has just stepped up in his own individual way. So I'm pleased for him. There you go. Kev? Um, not to give some Polish bias, but uh, Zielinski did well at the start of the season. I mean, because he's because he's take been... it off your lists, listeners. Barak will come later, I'm sure. <laughs> but the thing is with Zielinski is because he's been one of their standouts for so long. When they haven't had these other stars overshadowing him, I think he's he's kept that consistent level this year, and he he arguably had a better start to the season than he did um, yeah. to the end. He was he was very good in the Champions League. Certainly, the two games against uh, against Liverpool that I watched in person. So yeah, he, although he didn't, he, he tailed off a little. I think he he deserves praise and part of that for his ongoing contribution. I think one man deserves more praise than anybody else, though, Kevin. It's Luciano Spalletti because this this title win feels like the culmination of his career's work, doesn't it? It's his first, which is astonishing, and it's hard to begrudge him. He's he's a very likable character in the world of Serie A. Yeah, and he's got he's got so close. Um, we spoke about how. He's got that look that makes you know that kind of miserable edge, but then that little wry smile will break out or something. You know, he he's got that sort of jovial side to him. He's 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 laughed and joked with his sort of opposition coaches throughout the season, which is easier to do when you're about forty points clear of everybody else. Yeah. You can kind of you know you're not going to be so stressed out, and um, it's obviously a shame to see how it's how it's ended. Um, but arguably, why not go out on a high, considering this is a bit of a, a fairy tale um, for Napoli, and it's unlikely whoever was in the hot seat next year for it to be repeated. Well, that's it, isn't it? And the man who is in the hot seat, Bernsey, is now Rudy Garcia. I'm not going to claim to have kept up with him since he left Italy, but that did make me do my own impression of you know that gif of the fella who like shakes his head and opens yeah. his eyes in, in surprise I, I did have that exact reaction when I saw it yeah I mean I, I was I was sat here covering the 
Nations League semi-final. I just spotted a tweet from Napoli that was from half an hour saying, by, by the way, everyone, it's, it's really Garcia that we've chosen. And they, they did a little, about eight-word statement, um, which read like a sacking. Um, I don't know how long the contract is. It, it's it's intriguing because that's that there's a lot of good coaches available at the moment, and there's a lot of good coaches that would theoretically want that job. Um, ones that I'd wager are probably better and more current than Rudy Garcia. Um, whether whether this actually is some sort of situation where Spalletti does come back after a year, he's supposedly having a year out. Maybe this is a stopgap, and they view him as maybe a fairly cheap compared to others. Safe pair of hands. I don't Isn't know. Isn't Spalletti's contract at Napoli up in a year though? So he's just seeing out that year. Well, so I don't think there's a contract for him to come back to. I mean, they, they, you know, they can make one, can't they? But, but what, all I mean yeah. is that yeah, you know, this doesn't seem like. You know, what what's the long term plan at suddenly getting Rudy Garcia in somewhat out of nowhere? That doesn't that doesn't feel like there should be one. Um I know I know we questioned all their decisions at the start of last season and look what they did. But it is a bit odd. What the fans need to do is break into his car, steal his radio and his steering wheel yeah. and, and his wheels and see what happens. <laughs> see what he's there. made of. It went really, went really well last time, to be fair. Um I think that'll do it on Napoli. Should we move on to our, our teams of the season? Fellas, are we feeling like it's time to move on to that? Um, I can run through mine quickly first, Sorry. and if anybody wants not, to not call to me an idiot, not to break the fourth on. wall, but what on earth have you done to the spreadsheet with the white lettering on yellow? <laughs> um, because I'm looking at it on my phone, and the way the formatting is different, <laughs> so it's a dark background <laughs> on my oh, phone. So thank, thanks for that, because I can't, can't read it. No. <laughs> I've only changed the bits that I need to look at. You don't need to see those bits. Um, but anyway, my team of the season, we've all gone for 4-3-3 formations. Um, I've gone for Ivan Was, it a, was it a choice? What did I say? Have you seen what Dickhead has put on the spreadsheet? <laughs> no, because I'm looking at a different part of it. So Which one? Please just get on no, with No, no, his, his own team. <laughs> Which which dickhead are <laughs> yeah. we referring to? Well, he's referring to you, not knowing that I'm That's the dickhead true. that did that while yeah, the two he, of us yeah, were talking. He did that while we were on together. Um, uh, it's still a good choice. It just uh-huh. it made the voting a little bit easier. But anyway, they're all four three threes, um, because that's the format we go with on the site for the team of the week. Um, I've gone for Ivan Provadel and goal back four of Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Kim Minjay, Danilo, and Federico Di Marco. Then in midfield, Lobotka, Milinkovic Savic, Adrian Rabio, and up top, Lautaro Martinez, Victor Ossiman, and obviously Kvaracelia Bernsey. I have got this is going to be largely similar because it wasn't it wasn't as hard to choose as other years. Um, Provadel, Di Lorenzo, Kim, Rachmani, Dimarco, Lobotka, Celanolu, Zielinski, Lautaro, Osman, Kvaracelia. Three. Differences between ours. Interesting. Kev. Um, I'm not even confident these are my choices. But, um, <laughs> but apparently, uh, I've gone Provadel, Di Lorenzo, Kim, Danilo, which might, I might have been persuaded to allow for our voting system. Yes, um, because the, the other way it was going was there were five players <laughs> with one vote each. So I, I 
twisted your arm. Uh, although I'm very left wing, I'm apparently playing left back. Um, but I think, but I think I would have, I would have probably put that as Demarco, um, Lobotka, certainly in the uh, the holding role because uh, everybody needs one of those in a team of the season. Uh, Milinkovic, Savic. Uh, I believe I went Rabio. It's looking blank at the moment, so I suspect you put Barak in at some point. Oh, is it not? Um, <laughs> I did, I did about two that. minutes ago. It's not updated. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, there we go. It's not updated. So, so Bar- Barak's in there, which I assume was Rabio, and um, then I went Lautaro, Osman, and Kravitzelia. So in attack. of the eleven, there's a few players who got maximum five out of five votes. Those being Provadel, Di Lorenzo, Kim. Lobotka, Osimen, and Kvaracelia. Lautaro got four. Bulaidia, Suhail gave him a vote, which is more than deserving as well. And an interesting shout from Suhail, actually, was Carlos Augusto at left back. Now, we will be putting together a an alternative team of the season, looking at the players from outside of the European places, and that will be up on total-italianfootball.com in the next few days after you hear this. So do head over and have a look at that. But we need to go back and talk about the European places. Lazio finished runners-up. And Kev, it's hard to fault the job that Maurizio Sarri has done there this season. No, and it feels almost that that whole campaign sort of swung on the first game of the season. when Because you, you consider... You consider how poor Immobile's been or sort of his goal-scoring output's been just this season. Um, they changed goalkeepers on a red card. Um, God, now I can't even remember the goalkeeper that got the red card. And well, Maximiliano. So uh, Maximiliano. Ivan Provadel come in after having a very solid year the season before. And he's kept 21 clean sheets, which you know is an amazing return, really. Um, even for a for, particularly for a Maurizio Sarri side to a kind of um, a little gun ho attacking but also like to control the ball so that will have helped them uh, and actually that team of the team of the season that we just looked at I think probably Romagnoli was a was a big part yeah. of that that was quite a quite a astute acquisition from them because they lost to Cherby who had a so-so season at Inter but um, yeah that's sort of they were they were far more robust than I expected Lazio to be this year. And I think that got them over the line and kind of secured that second spot with, you know, well, relatively comfortably ahead of the two Milan clubs. We'll get on to the Immobile situation in just a moment, but I do want to stick on, on Provadel, Bernsey. That's got to be one of the most significant, like, sliding doors moments of the last few years, right? Yeah, that was really odd because I I didn't know anything about... What was his name again? Because that's the thing. He's, he's been so out of it. Maximiliano. I think it's Maximiliano rather than Miliano, isn't it? Oh, is it Miliano? Yeah. Well, there you go. He played half an hour at the start of the exactly. season. And he's never playing again. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's the thing. It, it, well, he might be really good. I don't know. Um, but it does just feel... Sorry, why did you just ask what his name was and then correct us? Well, because I think that's what it is, but I wanted to be sure. And then, then you came back with something different. <laughs> um but yeah, I think I think what kind of sums it up with Lazio quite nicely is it you know those teams we read out and obviously on our screen we can see Vito and Sahals as well. You know we've all got Providel. There's three Milinkovic Savic shouts, and there's one Romagnoli. But 
you know that that is kind of Sari's thing in the sense that he, he's he's got something out of basically everyone. He's raised the level of so many different individual players in that team that it's it's not quite the same as Napoli where you can really pick out the you know your Osman, your Kvartskoli, your Kim sort of thing. Um, it it does feel much more like a general unit with Lazio, and I think that's why they've kind of maintain their level so much better than other teams. They're less reliant on individuals. It was only for something else this week, Kev, that I was thinking about Lazio a bit more. And for the first time, I realised just how far Chiro Mobile's level had fallen this season. Like, he was nowhere near his usual level in the goals. He's always Capo Cannonieri or, or the second best. He didn't even get double figures this year, did he? No, he's, he's. You think all he's always he's around sort of the twenty-five goal mark, and um, obviously he's not. He's not the youngest of strikers. Um, he was disrupted by injury, so maybe struggling to come back from that. Sort of, he, he was. He couldn't get his sharpness back so much, but it's. It's probably a sign of of, of that they're going to have to replace those goals at some point in, in the coming seasons. Um, and now they've got Champions League. You think they're really going to want to replace those goals when they're playing at a sort of a higher level on the continent? How do they replace those goals, though? Because he he scores so many that I don't think you can replace him as just one. You have to find a new kind of way of playing, which I guess Maurizio Sarri has done this season already. Yeah, well, so we got, they got a lot of goals from Zakanyi, didn't they? Um, yeah. But again, everything else around them's aging Felipe Anderson isn't you know the uh, the youngest at the moment so they need to find youth as well as goals there Milinkovic Savic has been um well rumored uh to be departing um I don't know if they'll get the money that they probably want for him I don't think they'll get it from Juventus who's what I saw 25 million at the moment which is well is it no that's a that's a doable fee for a, a lot of clubs even Juventus who was what I was reading I think this morning um <laughs> I'm kind of talking myself into thinking that Lazio are going to nosedive now next season but um, <laughs> it's also feasible that Mobley could come back and bang 20 goals in for them again but um, I think they're still going to struggle to retain that top four position next season In Sari, we trust Kev I'm intrigued to see what he does with this Lazio team next season um, There's also a lot of intrigue you and around both clubs up north in Milan because we could probably lump Inter and Milan both into this. They were both disappointing. They both fell way short of expectations. But Inter season was definitely better than Milan's just because of the cup competitions, right? Yeah, I suppose you know there's kind of a sliding doors of you know two two instances where each of their seasons went in the opposite direction when it comes to how you can view it because they they played each other in Supercoppa. Say Milan have won that. It's a different you know, different feeling about their season. Um and then obviously the Champions League final, the uh, Champions League semi final is the is the massive thing. You know, Milan win that and into season looks possibly even worse than Milan does right now. Um, you know, if you if you have those twelve defeats, if I were an Inter fan I, I could quite easily, at least still for another couple of weeks or so, write those off in my head and be like, yeah, but we got to the Champions League final and we still got the top four. So, you know, deal with it. But if they hadn't, if they'd been knocked out of the Champions League by Milan, 
and also lost 12 Serie A games, even if they still got top four. Like that would feel like such a rotten, rotten season. I think that a lot of ifs here, though, isn't there? Well, yeah. <laughs> but point being that I think that would have felt worse than how would Milan will feel right now. I think Milan will just think, you know, we've we kind of escaped a season there, and we've still got in the top four. You've put so many qualifiers in there that I don't know what you've actually. Said. Not I, but we've talked about them so much. Those two stupid football clubs. <laughs> <laughs> they've just that that is what it comes down to kev isn't it the the two teams were just utterly ridiculous this season but inter were kind of just like inter levels of ridiculous right there was some entertainment to be had it was fun with milan other than rafael leao there wasn't was there no it was it was unentertaining at so many points you know apart from apart from the champions league um they were they went on that terrible run after we came back from the World Cup. I think they beat Silentana away and then they couldn't they couldn't buy a goal for weeks on end and sort of that's where their season started to crumble because I think we all went and saw them lose a derby to Inter uh, in San Siro or in the Giuseppe Miazza because Inter were at home. <laughs> One for well you done. there, lad. <laughs> and, uh, you have learned that. <laughs> I, I always knew it. I just get mixed up with what you tell me to do. Um... And actually, Dov holds some mm-hmm. responsibility for that. But um, but but yeah, no, I'd be thoroughly disappointed as a Milan fan. You know, you said on occasions, you know, Inter have got the better squad, but Milan were champions. You know, that's such a woeful, woeful attempt at retaining their crown. Um, and yeah, they need to do much, much better next season. There is actually an article on the site that Vito Doria put together, putting Milan's dreadful attempt at their title defence in the company of some of the worst ever. And it is interesting reading just in that context. So he doesn't say that it's the worst or how it compares to them, but he just puts them all up beside each other. And it's interesting reading for anybody listening. Sorry, Kev, I thought you were going to jump back. <laughs> and I looked at the Ireland match and I got distracted. <laughs> it was more entertaining than Milan this season, yeah. Well, it's just suspenseful because playing against two walls of five and it's getting a bit frustrating now, just three minutes into the second the, half. Um, sorry, but, the, the thing with Milan, I want to say, is that they this season's largely been the White House because their their summer business previously was bad. You know they 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 needed more from Tiketalira for for the money they spent and they they saw basically nothing. They saw nothing from Origi. They saw nothing from Astavrenks. They saw a bit from Malik Chow after Christmas. You know the fact, yeah. the fact that he's the best signing that they did, which kind of says a lot because he's he's basically been a rotational defender for half a season. Um, and then obviously the Maldini and Masara thing has happened and. They've got all these targets that are basically on ice now, um, because they need to decide with their new guys whether they actually want to sign these players or not. Meanwhile, everyone else is moving. You know, Roma have done two deals. Other people are moving quite quickly. Into might get Rotosi, whatever. Um, you know, they're they're in genuine danger of if they don't land a couple of quite fortunate deals, they could just do it again, and other people around them are going to move. Other people around them are definitely going to move. And 
the Masara Maldini thing is very interesting, isn't it? Because everything that happens this summer is now going to be shaped by that. There were quite public reactions when that happened of, of confusion. Raphael Leao tweeted that emoji, didn't he? There are talks now that Mike Mignon is is considering things that he wasn't previously considering because of their exit. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens there because everything is just clouded by mystery at the moment. But if I was to ask you now, Kevin, which of the Milan clubs finishes higher next season, who would you say? Inter. Yeah, I wouldn't even have to think about it either. So I'm glad you said that so emphatically. Burnsy, full house. Yep, easily. Easily. Well, I mean, my, my all right. Go on. I'm gonna push you further then. How, what What's the points difference between the two of them next season? Um, it, as it currently stands, with both having done nothing, um, twenty-seven. <laughs> I'll go with seven. Seven points. Ah, that's not as. Yeah, but the other is daft, isn't it? So the other two teams who will be embarking. Well, there's three, but we're not going to talk about one of them now. We'll talk about the other later. Embarking on European. Adventures next season are Roma and Atalanta. Now, both of these teams kind of had funny seasons. Um, Both will feel a little bit disappointed to not have finished in the top four. Roma, obviously, more so. Roma will feel more disappointed to not be in the Champions League because of the Europa League final as well. But, Ewan, I think ultimately with Roma, it was the Dybala dependence that held them back, wasn't it? Yeah, it's sort of... Double-edged sword kind of thing that because it's it's great that he was impactful. You know, it was the sort of deal where we, you know with the injury issues that he had previously had, there was always the risk that you know that transfer could have gone down the Pogba route that we've had, <laughs> the Pogba route that we've had with Juve. Um, but it you know while he has still had his injury issues and stuff, and they have been a part of his campaign, he's, he's had a very very good goal return and he, the effect he's had on. I wouldn't say on other players over the whole season. I think a lot of players have underachieved, but there have been moments in games where his effect, even if it's not a goal, has been really obvious on the team. Um, I think the biggest example was that Bayer Leverkusen game in the Europa League, where he came on and just it was just it was all in. Um, but yeah, it, ultimately it has to go down as a bit of a disappointing season because they, you know, they didn't win anything. Um, not that Roma has to win something all the time, but they didn't win anything. Um, and you know the top four was very, very possible when the season started. You know, on, on paper it was extremely possible to the extent where you'd say they probably should have been in it. Um, and you look at what Milan have done and what's happened with Juve, you, you can even more say they probably should have been in it. Um, and they weren't. But overall, it's not horrendous. But it's, it's not it's not a good season. No, and I, I do think we have to put the big massive. Caveat in there that they were plagued by injuries throughout mm. the season. Like they, they never had a full squad available, full squad available, rather. And it does look like they're already making moves to strengthen the squad, as per Jose Mourinho's press request for next season. Um, we won't go into specific names there, but it does look like they're getting business done. What I will say is one of my favorite things about Roma. Sorry, Bernsey, is the unlikely bromance that has developed between. Nemanja Matic and Paolo Dybala. I don't know if you're aware yeah. of this, but it's always on social media and it's it's beautiful. Matic is a lovely, lovely man. Um, I didn't realise that. Yeah, he's really... I, 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 this makes you sound like I'm one of them weirdos who thinks that they personally know the players. From the outside looking in, he seems like a really <laughs> lovely man. Um, 
and because you know I'm a United fan, so therefore I know him personally and have done for years. Um, but no, the other thing I was going to say is just the the Mourinho leaving stuff seems to have died down now. That that doesn't seem like it's going to happen, which would have been a big curveball. Um, because you know Rudy Garcia is off the market now as well. So. <laughs> in in funnily similar circumstances, Kev, we go to well a rival club of Roma in Atalanta because they're both pleased and a little bit disappointed to be in the Europa League next season. They had to deal with their fair share of injuries this season more than anybody else with the exception of probably Roma. And there were questions about whether Gasparini was going to stay like there were questions about Mourinho's future. And a week after the season ended, Gasparini had a meeting with, with the owners and the chairman and, it's been decided that he's going to stay, which would suggest that he's going to get what he's been asking for all season, which is for a competitive squad to be built for him. So good news for Atalanta. Yeah, well, they're not they're not uncompetitive at the moment. I mean, it is a it is a bit of a missed opportunity this year with how poor some of the sides above them played at times. They kind of just fell away a little bit because of that lack of quality, um, and as they were wandering around the stadium. Uh, on one of the final weeks with their back in Europe t-shirts, um, I think we all had to sort of double, you know, have a double take and check that they, it was just the one season that they're out of Europe. So um, they're kind of where they are, uh, or how are where I sort of expect them to always place, um, and, and next season with a little bit more, well not a little bit more, but similar levels of uncertainty above them I think if if Gasparini does get a competitive squad to to try and do something with them why can't they aim for Champions League football again and maybe maybe get it this time there have been links with Jorginho Wijnaldum which I just think would be a very Atalanta and Gasparini signing but also a very Roma thing for him to leave there go to Atalanta and become one of the best box to box midfielders in the world. Bernsey, you're you're already dreading the <laughs> the chance of that happening. You'd also you? keep your relentlessly Dutch midfield going as well. Um Yeah, exactly. He would fit in. Don't forget Hatterbor is there mm, too. Very true. Do you reckon he sticks around? That feels like Well yeah, he's not gonna get no one can sign him. Oh he's, he's yeah, he's gone again, isn't he? You've gone again. Guaranteed to be there, yeah. Yeah. Whether or not he's finishes next season as a professional footballer I think is is a question because I, I don't think you can come back from two ACLs very very easily but we'll see we'll see fingers crossed I now I'm sad well you did you, you did I bring him up forgotten about the whole <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know we didn't have to talk about Atalanta it did the finish this um... <laughs> that gets them in that's the first hole <laughs> yeah absolutely right it is we, we are going to go all the way down to the other end of the table in just a moment. But first, we're going to go through our overall team of the season on the website. So I'll go through the defenders and goalkeeper, Burnsy. You can take the midfield and then, Kev, you can take the front three and offer any commentary you guys please. Um, as we kind of alluded to when we went through our individual teams, a, a lot of us voted for very similar players. Um, Suhail was a bit of a wild card in the selections. But the back five, including the goalkeeper, as it would be, are Ivan Provedel, Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Kim Min-Jay, Danilo, and Federico Di Marco. Now, everyone's talked about a lot of those players this season. We've done the 
Provadel and Di Lorenzo chat already. I do want to give a mention to Danilo because in a season that has been chaotic and at times shambolic at Juventus, I think Danilo has just been a really steady hand at the heart of that defence and they've needed somebody like him, particularly with, with Bremer coming in beside him, with De Ligt having left. It could have gone very badly wrong, but on the pitch, Juventus were competitive and I think Danilo had quite a big hand in that. So, We've got to give him his dues. Burnsy, do you want to take over for midfield? Well, so I think Kev wants to add something on Danilo. He, he opened his mouth. <laughs> I think he wants to say something about me that he's not allowed to say. No, no, no. It was about Danilo. Um, okay. You know, maybe this is a, not a fair reflection on him personally, but it, it did feel for a little while that Juventus went on that run where they were just churning out 1-0 wins. Yet they lost 10 games this season, which was the first time in... 13, no, 12 years uh, that they that they've done that. Sort of, you know, losing 10 games in in Syria just feels phenomenal for them, even in a, you know, in a disrupted and difficult uh, season. So, yeah, with, with the 21 clean sheets for Lazio, I'm, I'm really now sort of looking at this and thinking I should have been stronger at saying Romagnoli for my choice and it would have <laughs> tipped, us, tipped us over the edge. But uh, they are, it's, the decision was done. Because Danilo's got that versatility vote as well, isn't he? Because he, he can be a right back. Um, and I would say that Romagnoli was more... It, it was Lazio's overall defensive unit mm. that got them the, the clean sheets. But there you go. Um, I'd say the midfield is probably where the most debate is, actually. Or at least in two yeah. of the three. We, we've got Lobotka. Yeah, yeah. Which well, Barrack's think, not there. So. Well, yeah. That's that's the major headline of the debate. Um yeah, I think I think all of us we put the vodka. Fucking podcast without talking about Anthony and Barra. <laughs> Not anymore. Not after you've made such a big thing about it. <laughs> Until yeah, he retires, that's, that's, that's it. it. We've made the big thing about Anthony and Barra. Um, right, all five of us put the vodka, so that's sorted. Um, and then in here, it's Milinkovic Savic and Adrian Rabio. Now, I didn't actually put either of them. Um, I put. Chalanolu and another person. I put Zielinski in. I also had Chalanolu and then I just had more of a think about it and went for Milinkovic <laughs> because I felt <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. I just felt that Lazio were a bit underrepresented in the team of the season and Inter, a team that lost 12 times were probably a bit overrepresented with, with two in, in my first I think the, the reason I went with Chalanolu was that he, Wait, he started the season with a very defined role of he was the left of their three, and when Brozovic got injured, he he took he took that role in the centre of it and was actually really good at it. And it's quite a different role to what he was doing before. To the extent where when Brozovic came back, he didn't walk back into the team in in that specific position. Um, bear in mind how good Brozovic is. I think that's quite an impressive thing to do. Yeah. And also, he I think he off the top of my head, he's probably kicked the ball really hard into the top corner of the goal slightly more than Milinkovic Savage this season. And we all enjoy that. We're supposed to be here talking about the, the players that got in. We, ha- we had the individual <laughs> 11s earlier, you Yeah, but I didn't put this one in, so <laughs> I'm, I'm not giving him any thought. Um, Kev, front three, please. <laughs> so the, for the front three, uh, we finish off with Lautaro, Martinez, Victor Osman and Kravitz 
picks itself really doesn't yeah, it? it does there's nothing else to say i about think that. we had a we had a bit of a chat about this actually in the group didn't we because we all went for it and we did acknowledge that it felt a little bit harsh leaving Raphael Liao out, but who are you taking out from? And we have to remember that he did have that, what was it, two months? Well, yeah, it was a big old patch. He didn't do anything. Um, he has, he the Liga Serie A put him in. Yeah, of course. He's Liga Serie A put him in. Over, but over Cravachelia as well. I remember reading that when the... Um, oh, when yeah, the, but Cravachelia was the MVP. When the MVP. And, it, and like they, they justified it because... They couldn't. They couldn't class him as a midfielder or a striker. It's like he pretty much plays exactly the same role as Liao. They literally like, do. Okay. That, <laughs> that agency spew out more shite. That and I'm not talking about Lega Serie A. Whoever is doing their stuff. He'll be working for him next year. Good God, I won't be. I won't be. And I'll tell you why. Because I've done nothing but badmouth them for two years on here. <laughs> Although I did have a chat with someone who was supposed to be doing it this year, and it seemed like for the first three months, the people I spoke to were doing it, but it seems to have changed back again to the rubbish that it was in the 21-22 season. But anyway, we'll move on, shall we? We'll dip down to the bottom of the Serie A table. If anybody has any objections, jump in now before it gets really, really depressing and hard to talk but Sampdoria who wants to talk about Sampdoria Ewan you're doing what I used to do in school and look down when I'm not done my (laughs) homework so I'm gonna come to you um they were relegated so so early and they were absolutely rotten it was impossible to not feel a great deal of sympathy for what is a superb club and an even better fan base yeah, it it was the inevitability that was sad. It, it was the fact that basically from day one, it was abundantly clear that the, the squad was bad. But more importantly, it wasn't going to get changed either um, during the course of the season. I mean, I'm struggling to... Can you think of like one moment where you thought, Oh, do you know what? Maybe because did, did did they not win the it first was in game the first back? Game of the se- no, the first game of the season. I remember I was down in Puglia watching it, and they thought they went one 0 up against Atalanta, and they looked good. But then that goal was disallowed. They lost two 0 and the season was done. <laughs> I, I meant like you know when a team is like in the bottom three, and then you see one moment mm-hmm. where you think, oh, maybe there's something about them. They might click. Never. There wasn't one. I feel like they might have got either a good point or a win on the first game back after the World Cup. But they went 2 0 up away at Sassuolo inside 15 minutes, didn't they? Yeah, but then did, did they draw? And they'd scored like <laughs> eight goals. Or, no, I think they won okay. that game. <laughs> That'd be really damning if the highlight of the season was. <laughs> yeah, they lost 3 2. But yeah. But they did do that against someone as well, didn't they? At home, there was a game where they were leading. Um, Empoli, I, I, think I think it might have been against Cremonese. Maybe both. I think Roberto Piccoli scored against them really late on towards the end of this mm. season. Whether it was to beat them or draw with them, I don't know. And I, this sounds... I want to say again, I would just look these things up and we can give you the actual facts. <laughs> but I'm scared to. So we can't do that. We've got a weird thing that we used to record and it causes problems whenever we use Google <laughs> and another window in the last couple of weeks. That's why Burnsy is afraid. Um, but, Kev, they've already signed Vladimir Falcone. probably goes down to Serie B as the best goalkeeper there already for next season. They've 
got rid of their owners. They've got rid of what a lot of fans there refer to as the clown in Massimo Ferrero. Um, so there's hope. Yeah, that's all they. That's all they wanted. You know, Ewan spoke about how doomed they seemed from the beginning, and I think you you could sense that. Um, and you know, the fact they've got a decent goalie because the person that replaced Adero was absolutely shocking towards the end of the campaign. It was like everything was for the cameras. I'm trying to remember their name, but I I, I blocked it, wasn't it out of my Martin mind. Turk, was it? <laughs> Might have been Martin Turk. But I tried to block out my memory because it was it was actually causing me nightmares just watching him sort of dive around. You'd hate to play in front of him. It was like everything was everything he'd palm away into sort of danger areas as opposed to just holding the most uh, you know standard of standard of shots. But you know they'll 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 hopefully come straight back up now that Jenner have been promoted as well. That's a that's a game we want to see in Syria uh, as often as possible. Um, so yeah, you've you've got to you've got to go into next season really as a Sampdoria fan feeling far more optimistic than this season. And it's you know you wonder whether some of them would actually look at look at last season and think, well, they were so close to going down in twenty one twenty two, they might have been better off, you know, Krishit Hope scoring that penalty in the derby that kind of you know because he missed it, Samp kind of stayed up. And it could have might have sped up their sort of return to, you know, a little bit of better running. But actually, it's, it did the opposite for Genoa, and they would have hated watching that this season. But it's going to be, a, I think, it's going to be a funny feeling them going down like Genoa last year and actually having the same sort of optimism as Genoa had when the sort of seven 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 partners took over and have kind of put that uh, club on a, a better footing than it was before. Go on, Kev. You've been very well behaved there. I will ask you to elaborate on why you might have even more interest in that derby returning to Serie A because I do wholeheartedly agree with the sentiments, but go on. Oh, well, no, I'm not going to go and do it again for my book, Divided Cities, the world's most passionate <laughs> single city uh, derbies, um, out now by many, many, many decent and bad bookshops. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, Divided Cities. Divided Cities? Yes. Just Divided Cities. Divided Cities, the world's most passionate single city derbies. And you spoke about the Genoa uh, derby and that. I did, and the Rome and derby. The Milan derby, obviously. Milan derby yeah, will be included in the next one. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, and the Turin derby? No. <laughs> okay. um, you always get a lot of flack for not doing Birmingham, which I find funny. Uh, like, fair enough, it's a good derby, but people... There are other football matches in the yeah. world. And I spend too much time in England. I'm not doing any there. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, speaking of woeful, Burnsy, Cronese, they didn't win until match day 24. <laughs> yes, they waited until March to win a Serie A match. Um, and it's a pity, isn't it? Because in the first half of the season, they actually looked quite solid against the bigger teams. But they were just lacking in the final third. And when you looked at their team sheet, you thought it might have been the other way around. Yeah, it was weird. It just felt like there was... Everyone was big, it almost felt, especially in attack. You know, they had Cyril Dessers and someone else who's escaped me now, but another big lad. Um, and it it just... it was Like you say, it was all very solid and it did the job to an extent, but the, the that, that step forward 
in like maybe November didn't materialise <laughs> until like you say, match day twenty four, whatever was it February or March, did you say? It was either the last day of February or the first of yeah. March. So if you if you ain't gonna win a game till then, you can't really complain. Not not that I've necessarily heard anyone claiming that they were hard done by or anything like that. Um yeah, Kev's made a very good point in our little chat at the side here. <laughs> that... I'm not having the word he's used though, Kiosk. Kiosk yeah. Kev, jump in. <laughs> I could food and drink stand. It was a, yeah, it was literally table. a fold up table. <laughs> yeah, fold up table, no alcohol, a couple of moody sandwiches. Oh, yeah, that was weird. And a bag of crisps. <laughs> yeah, the only good thing about them was the toilets. They were phenomenal. Well, that's because it was a disabled the toilet, toilet that's why. There was just one disabled toilet for that stand. You should emphasize, yeah, that was the only toilet we were allowed to use. It wasn't like that we were using it. It's because we were drunk toilet. on the beer they didn't sell us. Yeah. It was annoying. Although, I, um, I feel like we might not have said this on a pod. If anyone remembers us talking about or listening to that pod, whatever, when we did that trip, and we said about how quiet they were, we did find out later on that they were doing a protest, weren't they? Um, yeah, we mentioned it on a couple of Patreon pods, I think. Okay. It was one of our patrons who actually highlighted that to us, so well done. I don't have the name off the top of my head, so apologies. Yeah, well, thank you to them. Leave another, leave another comment, <laughs> Mr. Patron. Um <laughs> Frenzy, it's bad news though, isn't it? Because yeah. why? Charles Pickle. <laughs> Charlie Pickles is gone. He's no more. I wonder where he might go. Maybe he's gone already. Um, I don't think. I don't think. I wonder if Antalanta. I think he's not Dutch, is he? Um, where is he from? He might be. Um, oh, he, he could Dutch, be Belgian. He could be Belgian. Um, oh, but. Yeah, I mean, Cremonese transfer news doesn't tend to find its way to me unless I go and find it, which I never have. But I might do for for him once we're not recording anymore. Find out where he's gone. Then we'll do an entire article on it, maybe three. Kev, joining them in Serie B next season are Spezia. Um, I'll miss Spezia. I'll miss the opportunity to go to Cinque Terre and watch Spezia in Syria. Um... See, that's how you do it, Bernsey. You don't say that they've gone, you can't watch them anymore. You include the in Serie A bit. What did I do? <laughs> Last year when Venezia got relegated and you acted like they didn't exist anymore. Have you heard much about them? <laughs> yeah, Aaron Connolly was there for a bit at the start of the season, wasn't he? And now they've got the man that drinks yeah, beer after he scores well. a goal. And he, he look, he, there he you go. On it, to be fair. <laughs> You've just undone your own argument there. Kev, continue. It wasn't mine. <laughs> Yeah, Spezia will feel really hard done by to have a rule change, albeit it wasn't at the 11th hour, you know, they, they did do this at the start of the season, but meant that the positions 17 and 18 and uh, 1 and 2 would uh, have a playoff if uh, all things finished equal between the two sides. And uh, What's happening here, Ewan, is you missed the podcast where I doubted that Kev would be able to explain why the playoff took place. So he's just rubbing it in by giving us the, hey, the I can, I can, details. Just I said if all things it. finished equal between the teams, but that's what's so stupid is that they didn't. Just points, yeah, just points. Because uh, even on the final day, Spezia should have stayed up by uh, a one-goal difference uh, advantage. Head-to-head, oh, head, they beat them. <laughs> oh, and the head-to-head. But, but their goal difference was one better as well. That's the other thing. No, we went through this, Kev. <laughs> We went, goal difference doesn't matter in Serie A. Oh, I thought it was still one. Anyway, um, <laughs> they're down. The 
questionably moral. He says he's doing Verona. something well and he gets carried away. The questionably moral, <laughs> moral Verona fans stay up. What the racist? Um, yes, if you want to call them that. Yeah, um, I have to listen to them doing monkey chants for ninety fucking minutes. You described yourself and... as left wing earlier. Now you want to stick the boot in on Verona fans? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to call them that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if left wing means sticking the boot in on everybody, um, but I think it does when it comes to that. I think the astonishing thing with Verona is that they lost twenty games. They lost more than half their games. It's this amazing, muck. Um, which which is quite the swing then of sort of like they can't have drawn very many and they've got majority of their thirty one points from 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 the winning. But I think they went on like a 10, 12 game uh, losing run at the start of the season. Certainly, were windless for a long time. Yeah, Troy Parrott's done something funny with his hair. They just didn't start Verona at all. Um, What's Mm. Troy Parrott done? He's like done a a bleach thing on the top of his head, but the sides of his head are shaved, but not enough so you can still see that he's dark haired, and it just looks a bit odd. I don't like. Now we're talking about people that I don't know who they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I know the name Troy Parrott. I I couldn't have told you what he looked like before this hairstyle. He's a Spurs player. He's out on loan somewhere, though. He's an Ireland international. Mm. But anyway, um, any other business? We've got two bits of other business to get through, don't we? And one of those is... I'm going to just hand this over to you two because I don't know what to say about this. But yeah, I did enough on this. Um, Burnsy, take it away with the Juventus drama, please. Well, firstly... They all ran away one night in January um, and ruined my evening and Connor's evening. And I can't remember who else um, jumped on the website at the same time. We, 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 Various ones of us at various points this season have been scrambled to write about the fact that something's happened with Juve again. Um, do you want me to like fully explain? Not fully, fully, but you know what I mean? Do I need to use the phrase? <laughs> Capital games. No, you can um, just run us through. Basically, the they come and they had fifteen taken away and... from them, which take, took them out of the top four. Were, were they second at the time? Maybe third. They were in the top four. Um, <laughs> fifteen given back. That's the thing. They had fifteen taken away. Then, For a yeah, bit. they they got suspended. They were never. They were on loan back. Yeah, they, they temporarily got them back. It would have made no difference in the end. Um, <laughs> temporarily got them back. So then they were back in the top four again, and you know caveat credit is due they they pretty much they maintained a pretty decent level of results um nothing special but a decent level of results in amongst all of this um and then it finally got decided that they would lose 10 um you know conspiracy theories are many make of that whatever the hell you will we're not going to start doing that um but yeah bottom line they lost 10 and it took them back out the top four again and they ended up seventh they, they lost the the, the 10 bit happened with about three or four games of the season. They didn't really recover from it. Um, they kind of knew at that point it was basically futile. Um, they lost. And about three or four minutes I was gonna before say, yeah. they played a match. Um, well, Empoli then pumped them, which, I mean, that 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 was funny. There's no two ways around it. Um, <laughs> to get 10 points nabbed off you just before kickoff and then get whacked by Empoli is undoubtedly funny for anyone other than you, though, Um but yeah, that's how it ended. Ten point. The, the there was two investigations wasn't there. That was for capital gains. The other one was salary manoeuvres, which ended up being a big fine, um, and a kind of agreement that they're not going to appeal again, 
they won't appeal the 10 points. That is the end of it, which I'm very glad they kind of came to that agreement because that meant we could definitively be like, it's just UEFA now. Like in theory, nothing else can happen to Juve now from from Italian authorities, basically. UEFA very may well still whack them and they won't be in the Conference League next season. That could also stretch the women's team with the Champions League, which would be a shame for them. But that is where it stands. Kevin. Mm. Have you got your spreadsheet handy? I've got my spreadsheet and there's a nice segue to Juventus. So Juventus were the side... Before we get into this, I'm sorry about your segue, but we do need to introduce it because normally we refer to this a number of times throughout the season. I feel like this season we didn't really talk about it. So Kev keeps a spreadsheet, everybody, because he's a weirdo. And he keeps tabs on exactly what every team is wearing in every match day of the season and at the end of the season to stop him from talking about it every single week we allow him a few minutes to run us through his findings this is this is spitting on the tradition of your you have your of your home club not wearing here, not wearing your not wearing your home shirt and this could well be a chapter in another book I'm writing. Um, <laughs> Who are my home club? No, anybody's no, home club. Generally. You know, um, I don't. I don't know what colour Bray Rovers wear in um, Wanderers. Green Wanderers. <laughs> okay. That was rude. <laughs> it feels like it, it feels like it, it feels like it should be a Rovers. Um, but yeah, so um, the the people that, that... So anyone that's familiar with Irish football will know where that's fucking annoying <laughs> as well. Okay, well, I, I could be in Dublin this time next year, everybody. I was going to tweet you out. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I, I'd like to point a finger at Juventus for uh, 15 times this season, uh, having an unnecessary change of kit. Ironic number. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, that 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 was um, then followed up by Napoli, who were previous kind of worst of class. I'm amazed they were actually. Top. Well, Napoli this season though they've had they've had far fewer kits. Obviously, they've not had the sort of variety of Champions League kits. Um, they've only had five kits, different kits this season. But also, there's been years when. Do you remember when De Laurentiis said that? He thought that the red kit was lucky, so they sort of wore it for like the second mm. half of the campaign at home. Napoli, Napoli wore their home kit at the Diego Maradona fifteen times this year, and it does feel like that's going to be really. It's going to be a, it's going to be a shirt that everybody remembers their total win because they wore it so often. I was quite surprised I, that they had fourteen unnecessary kit changes this year. Can I pop in with an Italian cultural point here, um, particularly? Southern Italian culture. Superstition is rife. And I wouldn't be half surprised if they got to a certain point of the season and thought, this is going astonishingly well. <laughs> Let's just not mess about with things. Wear what we're wearing and we'll win the league. I wouldn't be half surprised if Superstition played a part in that, Kev. All, all those designs they have for the second half of the season are going to come out yeah, next year. We're going to have about, we're going to have about 11 home, home they, shirts. They made up for it by releasing a shirt for every player, didn't they? Oh, yeah, well, they did do that. Yeah, they did do that. I was waiting for that to make season. an appearance. Yeah. Valentine's kit. That was a rotter. Did, did, um, did either of you like that? Some people did. 
No, I, I hated it. At the time, it, it confused me. But now when I see a photo of it, I do smile and think I'm happy that happened because it's so silly. I mean, I, I don't necessarily care that it happened. It's that I just thought it looked horrible. When I see the pictures yeah, now, it's like, oh, Jesus, that happened, didn't it? <laughs> I'm not using that one. The Halloween one was good. Yeah, that did look better. That would... Yeah, because it had a nice um, black shorts as well, yeah. Mm. So it kind of sort of merged up. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, there we are. Then uh, Napoli, Juventus and Milan were the worst offenders with five different kits. Are you going to give us a little quiz? Last year, I think you gave us a little quiz where we had to try and guess things. Oh, uh, no, I'm not that prepared. You can guess who oh. jointly are in my uh, favourite corner for having the least unnecessary kit changes this season. Oh, the best behaved clubs. Okay, the best so behaved clubs. One has come straight into my head. Torino. Mm-hmm. Go on. Uh, no, they're two kit changes off mm. of the... They're just utterly valueless there. How do, why do they do that? They've got nice kits. Um, they did wear a Suzuki special edition shirt just yeah. for having Suzuki yeah. as a sponsor for 10 years. Did they do a special Kevin Spacey one as well? <laughs> can we no, can we can we stop that? Can we because we, we, we went down a rabbit hole on that when that happened. Was that this season as well? Yeah, by yeah, the way? It was just coming to you, I think. Jesus. Um It was a well, World Cup. The Suzuki thing. Can we just really underline the fact that Torino released a special edition shirt to celebrate a 10-year anniversary with a sponsor. Mm. To be like, fair, not many sponsors stick around for more than 10 years in Syria. No. In the in the no, city of right. arguably the most one of the most famous Italian car oh. brands ever, which I know they can't touch, yeah. but it's still weird regardless. Yeah, that's what they it's <laughs> probably why they did it, isn't it? Um but are Atalanta in your top three, Kevin? No, Atalanta are usually no. Well, twelve times they unnecessarily changed their shirts. I don't think they did a a special Christmas kit this season. Uh, no, they had a hundred and fifteenth anniversary kit, I believe. Empoli. Yes, hundred fifteenth yeah, anniversary. Empoli don't do anything. Uh, Empoli were worse, uh, worse than Torino even. God. You need um, to I don't know who else think. Yeah, you need to think closer to his heart. You need to think of someone well, I'm, you I'm not even going to say detest. <laughs> someone uh, I detest. You detest, yes. Maybe I don't not, detest maybe, anybody. Maybe not, the, maybe not the. Maybe not the club. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I've got them both now. Can I say them? Yeah. <laughs> is it Roma and Monza? Oh yeah, it is Roma and Monza. <laughs> I was going to throw Salernitana into the mix as well. Mm. Uh, no, they had eleven unnecessary kit changes. Eleven. Oh, wow. Who's right? Who's the third, Kev? Roma, Monza, and? Uh, Cremonense was six. So they were just oh, outside the We face. nearly got through the whole season without them slipping back into Cremonense, but we did it on the final <laughs> Cremonense. Cremonense. Cremonense, yeah. It's t- well, it's because yeah, I covered Cremonense from my book, Divided yeah. Cities. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, he's taking the piss now. Stop. <laughs> we beat that out of you in about October, I think it was. But, oh, well. Um, anything else to observe, Kev? Kev? Observe. Uh, <laughs> observe, Kev? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, no, let's just let's just leave it there, shall we? For another season. Who made? I don't know if you've got this off the top of your head, hmm. but who made the most kit changes at home? Uh, at home. It's got to be one of the Milan clubs. 
Uh, oh god, I need to. And I, I have another question. Up. Once you finish finding this one as well, um, okay, which you might have access to, but we'll have to see. Ask him because he's not going to find the answer to mine. Yeah, no. but I think your one might pop out the other side of his head if I ask it. So it's all right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, who who just had the most different kids? Uh, well, that was joint. But... That was joint. That was Lazio, Lazio, Milan, and um, God, who was the other? Napoli. Okay. Are Verona not up there? Because they had a couple. They no. had a kit. I saw them play in the relegation playoff in a kit that I'd never seen before. <laughs> no, they only Stomatic had occasion. four. <laughs> and that was a needless kit change. That was nonsense. They only had four changes. So unnecessary kit changes at home uh, was Juventus with eight. Oh, they wore that black monstrosity. That sort of very just crap. It was just plain and. They, they wore the pink at home a lot as well this season. Yes, indeed. Can I say? And I think Kevin and I did agree on this at some point during the season. That pink shirt is glorious. It's a lovely color combination. It's good. I didn't like it at first, and then there was one point. I, I tell you what it was. <clears throat> I saw it off the pitch at one point, and off the pitch, I liked it. On it, it mm. I think. It, it clashed too badly with who they're playing against every single time that it just looked weird or it didn't fit the stadium, that sort of thing. I know that sounds daft, but you know what I mean. Um, no, but on not. a hanger, it did look very nice. I will say as well, I am a big fan of their kit for next season. They've gone more dark. I like when they're more black than white. And I think they've done a good job next year. The yellow's a bit much, though. Yeah. I, th- I, I suspect I could end up feeling the same about that again, where on the pitch it, it looks a bit crowded. Um, mm. nah, I think Possibly. the pink's better than that one. Okay, any other business? No. We finished. The season is done. We did it. We made it. Congratulations, listeners. Congratulations, Kev. Thanks, you and um, we we've done it. We will, of course, be continuing to provide some content. Not. Five podcasts a week, not three podcasts a week, not two podcasts a week throughout the summer. But that will only be to patrons over on patreon.com slash football. You can sign up there for as little as two euro a month. Just help support the website. Otherwise, total-italianfootball.com for all of your reading needs around the world of Italian football. We've got a Women's World Cup as well, which Bernsey and I will be covering. Um... We'll be doing women's football podcasts over on Patreon again, which we have been doing throughout the season too. Uh, but we will be covering that on the website as well. And yeah, thank you everybody. It's been it's been the first season of Total Italian Football, and I think it's been a successful one. I, I was at seventy two games in all. I think the site was probably accredited for about a hundred, and it culminated in a in a Champions League final accreditation for, for Ali Bai. So, Kev, reflections? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been mad at times. Uh, hectic, busy. We've just, on that. just managed to keep <laughs> it together with uh, people being in different places at different times and podding from replacement yeah. hotels in Milan and... <laughs> We're podding on a There have been some odd Zoom, podding uh, locations throughout the season. Uh, <laughs> I think for all of us, to be yeah. fair. 
Yeah, me, me and Ewan in his kitchen. Um, yeah. Remember doing one on Daniela Matara's balcony in Milan? I've done a few <laughs> from stadiums. Bernsey and I, we did one from a bar restaurant in... Yeah. yeah. Where were we? Monopoly? God, that was a season, wasn't it? Um, I've done one Kev, in Norfolk. we did one where you were basically sat on my lap here in my apartment. <laughs> Is that this? No, that was last season, I think. That was actually, last wasn't season. It? That was, was, last there was a women's okay. one in Barcelona at one point. Um, oh, and that was at about 7am as well. <laughs> we were joined by many, many, many that. birds. Um, I did a women's one in my garden on my Todd. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, the Champions League final was very much the sort of crowning thing, especially after we'd been turned away for the semi-final by both. It was a bit like, oh, right, okay. Is this, yeah. is this like our oh, cap you know for what? the moment? That angered mm. me. <laughs> not so much like, the Milan yeah. element, because they, they don't let us a lot of time anyway, but Inter, we'd been at all but one of the home Champions League games. I was surprised by um, that. Um, but, and we got and the, the only one so. we weren't at was... Barcelona because they didn't let us do that either yeah. uh, which was a bit funny but before we wrap it up I'm going to ask you both for your highlights of the season and I'm going to say mine before you jump in and I actually find it hard to split between two I'm going to put them both together Going, they're both women's football related going to Salerno for a cup final was nice because Salernitana Stadium is cool even though I had a lot of problems with the FIGC to get into the stadium, but I did in the end. Um, but I think my real highlight of the season was actually being in Ferrara back as far as September to see Italy secure qualification for this upcoming Women's World Cup. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing them absolutely bottling the <laughs> this summer. But in all seriousness, they've got a very, very tough group, so I don't expect them to, to do anything this summer. But being there while they qualified overcoming early jitters was was something special and actually no when when roma women beat juventus mm. women to basically win the title that was special and then to a couple of weeks later get the chance to go back down to rome and interview sophie roman Haug at the training center who scored the winning goal in that game um and she was absolutely brilliant company as well so those will be my highlights of the season i think bernsey over to you we probably shouldn't have had you go first um but I don't know if this counts in terms of not as on the pitch, but our our trip where we did a load of games was certainly the best bit of the season. Mm. Um, it was it was the the least website worked bit, <laughs> um, which is what made it so wonderful. Um, but no, yeah, that that was that 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 was certainly the best football related thing that I did during the season. So I was burst at the end of that six yeah. games in four <laughs> days, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so. It was five, good. Five was for good. some. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you did the six. I did the six, yeah, but uh, guy ditched. Took a bit of twisting in your arm, but you did it. Uh, yeah, I did I did stay in the uh, cafe for a little longer at half time. <laughs> yeah, <it's> bloody freezing. <laughs> um, yeah. Kev, your highlight of the season? Um, that, that, that probably would have been my highlight doing sort of six games in four days. I did feel but, mean um, saying that, knowing that you'd possibly won that as well. But. <laughs> Yeah, no, but there was a memorable moment from uh, when Salernitana went to Lazio. Uh, I think they won 3-1, but they definitely won. And uh, for once, uh, an Italian cameraman wasn't focusing on a uh, sort of a attractive young lady, but uh, a youngster uh, that was sort of just in floods of tears at the sheer 
absurdity of Salernitana going to the Stadio Olimpico and winning the game, and it was a, uh, it was it was it was very nice to sort of see that sort of reaction getting a bit of uh, television coverage because it is largely the um, you know the other way around. That was a Salernitana fan crying tears of happiness as well, wasn't it? Absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, they were uncontrollable. Really I remember that. And well done for the way you brought it up this time, because last time you brought it up in a way that made us think you were talking about something else and we weren't too pleased about where it sounded like it was going. So well done. Um, that'll do. Listeners, thank you very much. Do head over to patreon.com slash totalitalianfootball or alternatively total-italianfootball.com. And if you're not a patron, we'll speak to you in, I guess, September. Patrons will be in touch throughout the summer thanks for your continued support and we'll speak to you when we speak to you